We moved here 10 years ago this last May. So we've been here for 10 years. It's been a ride. It's been a great ride. And we love being here. And, and when we moved here, I bought a lawnmower. And the lawnmower came with an instruction manual. Did I read it? Of course. Not. Instruction. Read an instruction manual. Please. I'm a man. I know how to operate a lawnmower. <laughs> when we lived in Minnesota, we lived there for five years, five of the coldest years of my life. And when we lived in Minnesota, I bought a, I bought a, a used snowblower, which is, you know, just a good idea. So I bought a used snowblower in Minnesota, and it did not come with an instruction manual, thankfully, because I wasn't going to read it anyway, because I'm a man. I know how to operate a snowblower. I have a car. How many of you have a car? How many of your cars have an instruction manual? How many of you have read your instruction manual for your car cover to cover? Look at you. You did. Yeah. See? And he's an elder, so you know you're not, he's not lying. Or he better not be. If lightning strikes, it's sunny outside, but if lightning strikes that chair, you know he lied about reading the instruction manual. So, I have an instruction manual for my car, and I've never read it. And I'm not going to, because I know how to drive my car. I will use it on occasion for reference. You know, it's like, uh, what kind of bulb does that take again? It's, a, it's in here somewhere. I know it's in here somewhere. It's got to be in here somewhere. And, and, but I'm not going to read it cover to cover. Why would I? I'm a man. Even though the first three letters of manual are M-A-N, I don't need it. My kid. My kid did not come with an instruction manual. <laughs> How many of you wish your children had come with instruction manuals? <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? It's like, in case of colic, <laughs> please tell me what to do. He was colicky for like the first three months of his life. And every night at 7 o'clock, Shannon was working 3 to 11s, and uh, every night at 7 o'clock, the hockey game would come on. I'd be watching hockey, and I thought he hated hockey. Because every night at 7 o'clock when the hockey came on, he would scream for two hours. Turns out he was colicky, and that's awful. That's horrible. Any of you parents have colicky kids? I can sympathize. I know it's an awful, terrible, horrible thing. It is the result of the curse of the fall. Anyway, um, but <laughs> it is. Um, so he didn't come with an instruction manual, though. And that one I probably would have read. Um, at least I would have skimmed it, for sure. Um, but, like, you know, we, we don't come with instruction manuals. My wife probably wishes that I came with an instruction manual. Because I'm telling you right now, I am, a, I am a puzzle wrapped in an enigma, wrapped in a mystery. Because I am, I am weird, okay? Just trust me on this. I am, well, all my quirks and everything going on up here and everything not going on up here, whoo, whoo, I am a handful. And uh, like I said, she probably wished I came with an instruction manual, but I did not. Uh, you know, instruction manuals are very handy, they're very good to have around. Uh, my friend Albert, um, who apparently read the car manual, uh, likes to compare the Bible to an instruction manual. When we do our 
uh, new members class, uh, we talk about the Bible and as being God's word and, and what kind of a, a book it is. And, and what we'll say, what I'll say is I always talk about it, that it's a love letter from God, that it is God's love letter to the world. And Albert takes a little different tack on it. And he says, you know, it's like an instruction manual. And when you read an instruction manual, the manufacturer provides the instruction manual for a very good reason. And that is to protect you, the user, and to protect the machine, the product. And Albert will tell you that the Bible is like an instruction manual and that it protects the user. It's, a, it's from the manufacturer who God made us and it, it, it's, it protects us. And, and some of the words in the instruction manual are written in red. Do not do this or machine will break or you will die. You know? There's a reason why a lawnmower instruction manual says do not put your hand in the lawnmower while the blades are running. Because somebody put their hand in the lawnmower when the blades were running. Somebody did it. Otherwise, you would, you would think, you would think, you would think that that is something that is just kind of common sense. But as we all know, common sense is not so common. But anyway, the Bible, it has words in red too. And it is an instruction manual for our lives. And when we are going through the storms of life and when we are facing the difficult days and the floodwaters are rising, the storm is raging around us, it's like we wish we had a, an instruction manual to get us through that time. And God has provided it, and we're going to talk about that today. Uh, we are talking about short stories that Jesus told this summer here at GFCC, and these are parables. Uh, and, and we're talking about parables all summer long from the book of Luke. Luke wrote the story of Jesus. And uh, we are looking at these stories that Jesus told. And Jesus told these parables, or these short stories, in order to communicate giant truths in very simple ways. So whether it's about salvation, or the church, or God's kingdom, or about uh, how to have a relationship with God, or, or anything uh, that relates to the kingdom of God, Jesus told stories in order to relate those big truths in very simple ways. And so that's what we've been studying here on Sunday mornings. And today we're in Luke chapter 6. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus is giving a sermon and he's preaching about some things that you probably heard before. Uh, in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, we know it as the Sermon on the Mount. And the teachings of Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are closely related to the teachings of Luke chapter 6. Now, you may, they do have some variations and there are some things and one takes place on a mountain, the other takes place somewhere else. And the reason why we see these variations is because Jesus kind of had a very similar message that he would preach everywhere he went. And it was, he would change it, vary it up a little bit depending on the situation and depending on the audience. And so the audience of Luke chapter 6 is different than the audience of Matthew's chap Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. That's why you'll notice these little subtle differences. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, I, before I talk about that, I want to talk about this idea, this instruction manual. You know, when we're little, life is pretty easy. Uh, for all my little kids here with us today from Kids Zone, you've got it pretty easy. And I know you're thinking, man, my life is so hard, I can't decide if I want to play Pokemon or Minecraft. I know, tough decisions, right? I mean, it's, it's difficult, it's difficult. And uh, trust me, it gets easier when you get older. <sighs> But, yeah. but when you're little, you know, little people, little problems. And, and life is, is easier when you're little. And then you get to be a teenager. Who are my teenagers in the room? Give me a shout out. Teenagers. 
Okay, I know you're out there. I saw you come in. Okay, so it's like, dude, leave me alone. Um, but when you get to be a teenager, life gets a little more difficult. It's no longer Pokemon and Minecraft. It's like, do I have to wear deodorant? Do I have to take a shower? I know. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. So life gets a little more difficult when you get a teenager years, especially dealing with stuff like bullying and the pressure to try and live up to everybody's expectations. You know, being a teenager is really, really hard. And then you get to be an adult, and then you discover that these wonderful things called bills, and they start coming every single month. And it's like you got to pay the electric bill. And like growing up, it's like that the, you flip the light switch and the lights come on. It just happens. And then you get older and you realize somebody left the light on. It's been on for 20 minutes. Why isn't there anybody in this room? Life gets harder the older you get. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're in your 30s and your 40s and your 50s and you're watching TV and the, the commercial comes on for the prescription drug and you're like, man, I wonder if I have that. That sounds like something I have. And you start paying more attention to these things. I think I have that. And then you listen to the side effects and the side effects are going on and you're like, I hope I don't have that. <laughs> because that sounds really bad. The side effects sounds worse than the disease. I really hope I don't have that. So we get older and the problems get worse and the problems get more often. And all of a sudden now we're dealing with aches and pains and our bodies are breaking down and people we know are dying and life is really getting hard. And it's like, shouldn't it get easier as you get older? No, it doesn't. The storms become more frequent and the storms become more intense. And now we're sick or somebody we know is sick. Our child dies or our grandchild dies. Or our spouse dies. Or our parents die. And it's hard. And life gets difficult. And those storms don't stop coming. And the floodwaters don't recede. And you feel like you're living in northeast Illinois along the Fox River, the Plains River. And the waters just keep rising and rising. And the storms just keep pouring and pouring and pouring. And it's like, why, why can't life get easier? I mean, what do I do? How do I get through this? And I believe that Jesus has some very encouraging words for us on how we can deal with the storms of life. In Ezekiel chapter 33, this isn't on, uh, is on the, it's going to be on the screen. Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 31 through 33, it says this. My people come to you as they usually do and sit before you to listen to your words, but they do not put them into practice. With their mouths they express devotion, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well, for they hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. And when all this comes true, and it surely will, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. And when Jesus came, he would teach and preach, and people weren't putting his words into practice. Kind of like today. We have the Bible. We have the best-selling book in the history of the world. We've got millions and millions and millions and billions and billions of copies of it, but nobody's living it out. So what do we do? We make a change. We start living it out. And that's what Jesus' parable is all about today. If you've got your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. Or if you didn't bring a Bible, it's okay. You can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's black. And uh, it's on page 730 of that chair Bible. Uh, and you can follow along there. Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. Or you can always use uh, a Bible app on your smartphone or tablet. 
uh, version Bible Gateway. They're both available at the iTunes store, the Google Play store, and you can grab a, a Bible app off of there. Uh, we are in Luke 6, 46 through 49. I want to look at verse 46 first. Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? It's easy to call Jesus Savior. It's not as easy to call him Lord. Because we like the fact that he's our Savior. We like that he died for our sins and that if we believe in him and repent from our sins and confess our faith and get baptized, that God will wash away our sins and he'll forgive us and fill us with the Holy Spirit and let us go to heaven. We love that idea. But when it comes to calling Jesus Lord and calling him God and saying, Lord, Lord, well, that's not as easy. Because when you call somebody Lord, it means that they are your master. It means that they are in charge. It means that you submit to them and you surrender to them and you obey them. You do what they say. That's what it means for Jesus to be Lord is that we do what he says. We don't just appreciate him. We don't just worship him with our mouths. We worship him with our lives and the way that we live. And Jesus said something very similar in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. That we can call Jesus Lord with our lips, but if we don't call him Lord with our lives, he never knew us. And that's a scary verse, especially I consider that to be one of the most terrifying verses in all of Scripture. Didn't we prophesy in your name? Guess who prophesied in his name? I mean, I'm not forth, foretelling, I'm foretelling. I'm, I'm kind of like, uh, preaching is kind of like prophecy, and, and that's scary, because I preach in Jesus' name every Sunday. Did not we do miracles in your name? How have you done a miracle? Yeah, I didn't think so. I didn't, yeah, I didn't hear about it on the news, if you did. You know, and so, like, we're not doing miracles in Jesus' name, and yet he's casting them away. Or cast out demons. Anybody cast out a demon lately? Don't raise your hand. That's weird. Um, <laughs> but, but in all honesty, you know, these are spiritual people doing religious things in the name of Jesus. And Jesus says, you're not living your life with me as your Lord. You're not doing the will of my Father in heaven. You're not obeying the word, and therefore, I don't know you. That's scary keep going Luke chapter 6 verses 47 and 48 I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice he is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock when a flood came the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built Jesus said in Matthew 7 24 and 25 he said this therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock the rain came down the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock and when we when we live out the words of Jesus when we put the words of Jesus into practice, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Do not judge. Do not lust. Do not commit adultery. Do not commit murder. Please do not commit murder. Um, 
But when we do the things that Jesus tells us to do, when we put those things into practice, it's like we're building our house on a foundation of solid rock with deep foundations. So that when the storms come, and notice Jesus doesn't say if the storms come or if the floodwaters rise. He says when the storms come and when the floodwaters rise, your house will stand firm. Your house will not crumble. When you put Jesus' words into practice and when you live out his words, it is like you're building your house on a solid foundation that will not crumble when the storms come. And if you don't, well, look at verse 49. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. In Matthew 7, 26 through 27, Jesus said this, something very similar. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. If we do not put Jesus' words into practice, it's like we're building our house on fo- houses on foundations of sand. It's like we're building our lives on a foundation of sand. And I got news for you, it's not going to stand. That it's going to erode underneath the house. When the storms come and the floodwaters rise, it's going to erode the foundation, the, the, ground, the sandy foundation away, and the house is going to collapse. And if you wonder why your life is falling apart, look at the words of Jesus. Am I living out the words of Jesus? Because sometimes the storms that come into our lives are not uh, 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 the doing of others, but it's the doing of ourselves. It's the things that we invite into our lives because we're not living out the words of Jesus. I know this is no fun. You know, it's like, I, I, I feel like a failure enough as it is. I feel like a, a failure when it comes to living out the words of Jesus. It doesn't mean we quit trying. And, and really what it means is that we need to spend more time with Jesus' words. I, I like what Jesus' brother James wrote in James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. He said this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but what? Doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And so if we're not doing it, if we're not living out the words of Jesus, if we're not living out the word of God, the the Bible's the word of God. It is that instruction manual. It is that love letter from God that teaches us how to have a relationship with him through Jesus that if we're not living out the word of God, if we're not following Jesus' commands, if we're not obeying the word of God, we will not be blessed in what we do. But when we hear the word and read the word and live the word and put it into practice, what does James say? You will be blessed in what you do. And so you may wonder, why is my life falling apart? Why are things so hard? Why are things going so bad and so difficult? And look at the foundation you're building your life on. What foundation have you built your life on? Is it a foundation of rock or a foundation of sand? 
So I have some suggestions about how to build on a foundation of rock. Uh, the first thing is you got to get in the Word. You, you, you need to get in the Word. And, and I, I don't want you to think that I, I've, got to, I've got to spend, you know, an hour. I, I need to sit down every day and I'm going to wake up an hour early and I'm going to read my Bible for an hour. You do that and you are setting yourself up for failure. I'm telling you right now. And you know, I'm going to start right at the beginning, Genesis chapter 1. Boom, I'm going to do this every day for the rest of my life. You're setting yourself up for failure. I'm not saying don't read your Bible, because believe me, that's what the whole point is. Read your Bible. What I'm telling you is don't set yourself up for failure. Because you're going to go through Genesis and Exodus, you're going to get into Leviticus, and by the time you got the 14th sacrifice on the 13th day of the month, you're going to be like, forget this. And then you're going to feel guilty. I saw this uh, guy preaching a sermon this week. He's talking about this, about you're going to feel terribly guilty about not reading your Bible because you're going to get stuck. And then you're going to feel like a terrible Christian. You're going to feel like an awful Christian. And you're going to have all this guilt and shame, and you don't have to. So read your Bible. Yes, read your Bible. But start slowly. Here's my challenge for you, okay? This week, read one chapter in just little pieces Read Luke chapter 6. Can you do that? Can you read one chapter this week? Read Luke chapter 6. Take three minutes a day. Because I would rather you read your Bible for three minutes and put it into practice than read your Bible for an hour and forget what it says and never do it. Three minutes a day. Just take three minutes to read your Bible and put it into practice. Take three minutes and put it into practice in your life. Can you do that? Let's try it. So Luke chapter 6, just read a little bit each day, just a couple of minutes, and do what it says. Uh, the second thing, <clears throat> excuse me, the second thing is to get into a study. Uh, we have some great Bible studies and uh, we want to encourage you, especially we got some new ones starting up in September. We want to encourage you to be in a Bible study because there's some really good things that happen in Bible study. One, you get into God's Word, and you also have discussions with other Christians and other believers about how to live it out. So it's not just a, you know, well, I should do that. It's encouraging a, a one another and holding each other accountable in how we live out the Word of God. So get into a study, whether it's a Sunday night study on prayer or Wednesday night study on the parables, uh, the men's study that's starting up again in September, the women's study that meets on Wednesday mornings at 930, uh, our other Monday night Bible study that'll be starting up in September. Wherever you can get plugged into a study, get involved in a study and spend time with other believers and other Christians learning from God's word and learning from each other. So get into a study. Uh, the last suggestion I have <clears throat> is lead your family. Lead your family well. I'm going to talk to the guys real quick. Dads, husbands, your job in the household, according to God, is to lead your family spiritually. And if you're not doing that, you're failing as a dad or a husband. Because your job, your God-given job, is to lead your household spiritually. And that means taking the lead. And I'll be honest, this is really hard for me. This is where I struggle. I'm not the best at doing this. Sean, you're the preacher. You lead the church. Yeah, but I'm terrible leading my own family. I'll be honest. And it's something I got to work on. And I need you to hold me accountable. Sean, how you doing with that? I'm going to hold you accountable. How you doing with that? Guys, we got to lead our families and lead them well. And so maybe you're sitting down, you're doing a, a, a five-minute family devotion. Search for family devotions on Amazon or ChristianBook.com. 
and do a five-minute family devotion with your family. Pray with your family. Pray with your kids. Lead your family well. And guys, if you're not going to do it, then ladies, step up and do it. Don't let your kids just twist in the wind. You know, lead your family. And if, if, if the dad is absent or the dad is gone or the dad won't do it, then ladies, stinks, but step up and do it. Teach those kids to love God's Word. Teach those kids to enjoy God's Word and to read God's Word and to live out God's Word. Kids, my little kids' own kids, those of you who are here with us today, welcome. If you need a Bible, my little friends, I want you to talk to Joel, our children's minister, and say, Mr. Joel, I need a Bible. We'll get you a Bible. Because it's important that we teach our kids to read the Bible and to love God's Word. Teenagers, if you need a Bible, come talk to me. I will get you a Bible. Because it's that important. That you, if you want to read the Bible, we're going to get you a Bible. Adults, if you've got a job, you need a Bible. Go get your own. <laughs> but get one. And chances are you probably got one or several. So go home, find your Bible, blow the dust off of it, and start reading it. This is the manual, the instruction manual that God has given to us in order to know how to have a relationship with Him, to know how to survive the storms of life so that when the storms start raging and the waters start rising, and when life starts falling apart, God has given us an instruction manual to hold it all together. I love this quote. This is from an author by the name of Matt Brown. He said, don't say God is silent when your Bible is closed. Don't say God is silent when your Bible is closed. If you're sitting there going through a storm and you're just wondering, why isn't God saying anything to me? And why isn't God helping me? And, and Don't say God is silent when your Bible is closed. God has given you his word. He has given you his word in order to survive and thrive even in the midst of the storms of life. So don't say God is silent when your Bible is closed. And if we will open our Bibles, and if we will read God's word, and if we will put it into practice, well, James says we'll be blessed for one, and Jesus says we'll survive the storms. Then nothing can, is going to come against you that you can't survive with God's word in your heart. So, what I want to do, what I want to encourage you to do today is to read God's word and put it into practice so that when those storms come, when the storms of life come, you'll be able to stand firm on a foundation of rock.